Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Fast Talk, your source for the science of endurance performance. Who's this guy? Ah, the best damn voice Fast Talk has ever had, it <laughs> sounds know, like to me. I, I am Chris Case. I'm making my maiden return to the show, and today we're doing a potluck. We've got Grant Holicky in the studio, Trevor Connor sitting across from me, Rob Pickles sitting next to me. Welcome, everybody. This Can is, I even say that? No, this yeah. is incredible. It is so good to hear your voice. Wow. Thank you. Rob came ready. He got himself sick so he could get a good grab. <laughs> yeah, he's got a Chris radio voice. Trying yeah. to keep up with him. Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm, keep practicing, buddy. Face for radio. <laughs> Today's episode of Fast Talk is brought to you by Alter Exploration. Created by me, Fast Talk Lab's co-founder, Chris Case, Alter Exploration crafts custom cycling journeys that create opportunities for both physical and mental transformation. Alter Exploration, what we do is all in our name. Alter's journeys are meant to be challenging. Your skill and fitness will be tested and you'll stand a good chance of transforming yourself in small but significant ways. Alter, Alter's journeys are intended to be all-terrain tours on any and all surfaces. Alter, and then there's Exploration, this won't be a vacation so much as an exploration of you and the destination. Reach a greater understanding of your physical and mental capabilities while simultaneously experiencing a stunning landscape. Life. Altered. Learn more about my favorite adventure destinations and start dreaming at alterexploration.com. Tell me more about what we're doing today. You've never, a, done a a I've never done a potluck. I've never done a potluck. You named this. So Grant you want to explain, to explain what this is? It's a little bit of everything, a little bit of nothing. Um, <laughs> just, just a little you know, bit. You know, it's, it, it is like that beautiful potluck dinner where you might get yourself some chicken wings, you might get yourself a great dessert, and somebody might bring ambrosia. Yeah, mm. and you could get food poisoning too. So <laughs> it's a 50 50 shot. You, you right? could win listening to this, you could lose <laughs> listening to this. Hopefully, oh, come you're on. entertained. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You're always going to be entertained. Always entertained. I hope. I just hope that I laugh maniacally when I'm reviewing the episodes. Then I feel really that's good when about you, what we that's did. When you feel like we've <laughs> that's, done well. That's the bar. That's my thumbs up right there. Excellent. If I spend at least a quarter of the time laughing. Can we hear the maniacal laugh now? No, dude. No, I need to be inspired. Say okay. something funny. Okay. I'll do it later. <laughs> All right. It might not happen. It probably won't. <laughs> I'm here. So I'm being silent here because I was just going through all the programs in my computer to find the notes for this episode and all the research I'm going to pull in. And it's like, that's right. We don't have it. Most <laughs> importantly, Trevor has a computer. He's keeping the trend of... he, And I don't know why ready. I do because it's just not part of a potluck. I'm not like, sure what he's ready for, but well, he's ready. Well, I think that he is giving the illusion of being ready because he came in and opened <laughs> his computer. The, that's Trevor. Exactly. The illusion of ready. Exactly. <laughs> no, usually well, we come into an episode and we have a conversation. We go through the outline. What are we going to talk about? What research do we want to come in or bring into this? I literally came in here and I'm like, what are we talking about? Well, what we, I feel like on a potluck, what we have to plan for is how much time is allotted for making fun of each individual person on the potluck. Because I can see Trevor's screen on his computer right now. You guys don't want to know what's on it. <laughs> I'm sure that I don't, but maybe we should record some of these insults as B-roll that we can then sprinkle into other episodes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And why waste it on fun? all one episode? It's it's kind of true. Chris, do you fact. see what's happened since you've left? Uh, chaos. Devolved. Yeah. Well, what, you brought what I, me in. What did you want? What I, what I want to see, Trevor, is for you. I want you to freestyle today. 
You don't, you don't need a computer. It's all in okay. your brain. You ready for this? Yeah, oh. shut it down. Wow. Doesn't that feel good? It's freeing. No. No, <laughs> no I know. I, dude's blood pressure just got wrong. Oh, my God. He just turned beet red, everybody. <laughs> all right. So we made fun of Trevor for the computer. Grant, you're wearing a hat today, so we can't tell if you showered not or not. A hat, I haven't a showered. I, I will say Thank this. Thank you. It's got, somebody had to say that it's right. I got on the phone with Stephen Hyde this morning. We were talking about the, the Christmas trip for cyclocross. And I said, if you didn't answer, I was going to take a shower. But I turned to my wife and said, if I go to the podcast smelling a little bit, she looks at it. I, I paused and she looks at me and she goes, well, that's on brand. Yeah, it just adds to the ambiance. I was actually Even complimented by Rob this that. morning for walking in looking showered. He didn't say, I, I didn't smelled say, I don't know like if I you was did. showered. Do you want to continue looked. that conversation where then he said... And Grant's going to be late and unshowered. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah. <laughs> on brand. Everybody so far is on brand. We're all on brand. Rob was just so put together. I don't I even mean, know what my brand is. I don't know that anybody knows what your brand is. That's You're just true. you. What does your wife say your brand is? <laughs> Silence. No, I'm, I'm a, Can we have live call-ins to the Ooh. show? I'll, I'll, can I'll I phone a friend? Out right can now. I phone a friend? Hey, sweetheart. Can I actually say something good? <laughs> <laughs> she would. She loves me. So she would fake it. <laughs> she she loves- would fake it. Yes. Thank you. Because she loves me. Because she loves me. She would make something up. <laughs> Perfect. She'd Perfect. go to confession afterwards, but <laughs> she'd have to pull out that list of compliments that she keeps right. on the side. Right. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. on the back of her phone. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we are 509 into this episode and mm. we have accomplished. Nothing. Hey, Grant said we were. That's the little bit of nothing that we. Yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, this is the episode. This is. This is lo- why there's six people still listening. Right? What, what would happen if we had a Seinfeld esque episode and, that was just about nothing? That's isn't that what that's what potluck is? That was what well, I wanted. We eventually to do. get to something. Sticking with the potluck analogy, we have walked to this smorgasbord of a table, filled a plate with just the lettuce, and walked away. <laughs> Oh no! I think we got the we got the good stuff. I don't know what the good stuff is. Like we went there and got pudding. Does this remind you a little of Off Course? Yeah, it does. <laughs> For those who don't know, because there's is, a lot of them out there. Yeah, Off that Course is, was was my short lived podcast, and I loved the fact that it was just kind of like, "Hey, you're my guest. What do you want to talk about today?" Did you prepare it all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you called the guest. <laughs> I looked up their phone number. I texted somebody to get their phone number. I generally had a question or two. Hey, you. Will you come uh, on my podcast? I liked it. Allow me to rephrase my analogy. We have walked away, not with the mixed greens, <laughs> the iceberg lettuce. Iceberg lettuce. I don't know, man. I need the some buffalo chicken casserole. Of, like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, this is just where we all differ in opinion. If it doesn't have research, you think it's iceberg lettuce. I think it's, you know, tuna surprise. Ugh. All right. Surprise. Oh, God. Grant, Grant hit it with some meat. What's your question? Okay, so my question is to all of you and to everybody out there, with the holidays coming up, a lot of us are off work, and maybe we can look back at what you did over Thanksgiving. But what is an athlete's response? What is your response to when you have that time off from work for the holidays? Do you train more? Do you train less? What's your goal? What are you trying to do over that time? Well, I know I took the week off of Thanksgiving and I went to Tucson and had a little mini training camp, but that's not normally what I would do. And it's not what I would do over 
over the Christmas holidays, to tell you the truth. But uh, in November, I was all about training and it's December now. So I've turned that faucet off. Why were you all about training in November? Did you have a... He was preparing for December. Exactly. <laughs> to because take time I, because off. I knew December was coming. So I needed that last ditch effort. No, I don't know. You know, more than anything, it was just we were going to a place that was warm. Yeah. And it was a new place for me to explore some some trails I had never been on before. I was almost more excited about that, I think, than the training itself, to tell you the mm, truth. And so sure. it was just kind of how the opportunity struck, in all honesty. I guess my big part of my question is that I, I feel like with the athletes I coach that work, when they have time off work, what I always get from them is, I got time off. We should put a huge week in. I want to put it in a huge week. And I feel like sometimes it ignores other things in their lives of what they might be having to do or wanting to do or the point of you're off work, man, like relax a little bit. What you're looking for one of us to say is that people should not try to do too much, especially this time of year when there's family stress and life stress. And, well, I'll just and say that. Stress. You don't have to say No, that. I know. I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking in that I could sense that that's what kind of is in your head. But yeah. it depends. I think you said the operative word, which is what's your goal. Right. If your goal is to finish strong the cyclocross season, then you probably do take some time to train or at least don't let yourself detrain for right. a week. But if you're, you know, the rest of us. Mm. Who he, are, lo he looked at me for what it's worth, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, <laughs> like if, you know. No, you're planning to take the time off because you're yeah. not racing. Nobody, yeah. most of us what are not racing anytime soon. Yeah. So let your mind, like, let things go for a while. Don't take that attitude that I found myself getting caught up in when I was still racing a lot this time of year, which was oh my God, I can't even be around people because I want to avert any risk of getting sick because mm -hmm. I got to go to Masters Nationals and all this stuff. And that's the antithesis of what you should be doing this time of year. You should be with family. You should be relaxing. You should be enjoying yourself. You should maybe even be eating a little too much if, you know, like just let loose a little bit. Well, I think it was funny that you mentioned the getting sick thing because yesterday a couple of my athletes that are going to cyclocross nationals came over to the house to pick something up and they stayed outside mm -hmm. because I have two kids under the age of eight. They're Petri dishes. Uh, yeah. Mm, my sure. house yeah. is a Petri dish. Well, yeah. that's, right now. Never mind. Probably was my, the case when I was single. <laughs> that's, that's very true. It's better now. Yeah. <laughs> Much better now. But from a sickness point yes, of view, yes. not from a mold point of view, it is a Petri dish. <laughs> Got it. Um, but, but so they stayed outside. That doesn't have to be the norm. And mm. I think that cyclocross is always funny because I think everybody's always getting ready for a 45-minute race at Masters Nationals. They'd get into the Christmas period when it used to be in January. Yes. They, yeah. And they train, 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 train. Yep. And I'm out there fishing and hanging out. I'm like, yeah. I'm getting ready for a 45-minute race. Like, how yeah. fit do I need to be? But Trevor, you have a very different point of view of the holidays. Well, I, I'm mixed. So I will tell you from my own experience, I would always do a big training camp right before I'd go home to visit my family. So I'd do four or five days, beat myself up. And then I would go and pretty much relax. Was that your penance? Were you <laughs> well, just preparing to see your family? Like, you know, part of it was I lived on the West coast. I didn't have a bike in Toronto. I wasn't right. bringing my bike back with me. So I couldn't ride my bike. I would jog when I was there. So I just enjoy the time with my family. Yeah. I do have athletes that I've coached. I have one athlete who, who takes two weeks off during the holidays 
and he loves to have the time to, to, to do a big block. So we'll do a big four or five day block, but we'll time it so that then he can also use part of the holidays to relax and rest afterwards. That's one of the things that I really like coaching is using the organic trips mm-hmm. or the organic things to just let that be a rest week. So kind of what Trevor's saying is load up, load up, load up, and then just be in this place where you get to just go on that trip without a bike, relax, chill out, let go, let go, have an extra beer or three (laughs) and just not worry about it for a couple days. Yeah. Well, I kind of, I look at the holiday period, just like I look at even recovery days in the middle of a training cycle. There are people who will be like, okay, well, today's a, a recovery or a rest day. I'm going to lift weights today instead of riding. Right, right, right. Are you sure that you're actually taking a day off? Are you sure your body's recuperating? You're probably just overstressing it more by doing this weightlifting activity. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing coming into the holiday period. I think that everybody, and we talk about this all the time, you need some detraining so that you can come back even stronger in the future. Otherwise, you just have this very monotonous week in, week out throughout the entire year. And taking that step back is hugely important. You know, I think the other part of that coin too is what kind of stress are you dealing with outside of Mm -hmm. training? So you could load up and then relax when you go on a trip, but you're probably loaded up at work too, leading into that time off. So I I think it's the ebb and flow. You got to be careful of all of those pieces of the puzzle. Never forget that it's not just training stress that causes the body to break down a little Mm -hmm. bit. I want to dig into my vault of fast talk memories now, going all the way back to a episode that Trevor and I recorded with Brent Bookwalter. I really wanted you to go going all the way back to episode 37. No, 37, 37. Let's see what number. (laughs) That was very close to my first episode. This was probably episode 65, maybe. And we talked a lot about the balance of training stress and all the travel that he as a pro was doing and all this sort of stuff. And one thing that always stuck with me, and I've I've thought about it uh, plenty before and after that time, was the whole, oh my God, I'm going on a trip. I got to just destroy myself before that trip. The one thing you have to worry, maybe not one thing, but one of the things you have to worry about there is you beat yourself up super bad and then you put yourself into a germ-infested environment like an airport or a plane or a whatever and your risk of getting sick or something goes goes up because you've beat your body up and your immune system's not what it should be so just be wary of that fact yeah. as well yeah. this is a risk and i just told you about what i used to do which was do a training camp and then fly right to toronto and i look back at my time when i was living in british columbia and, and doing that every year and almost every year, I would get back to Toronto and get sick. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd do a big training camp and get on the plane the next day, and I just wasn't thinking. So, yeah, I, I think all these things kind of come back to what I was asking, and I appreciate everybody's answers. I, I, I think just look at your individual situation, right? What do we say all the time? It depends. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. What's the right thing to do? Well, it depends. Yeah. So I want to throw a scenario at you and hear what you, you think about this. I mean, hearing you kind of push towards that, Maybe you you do try to take a break when you have those holidays and not try to train hard. You know I'm a big believer in the training camp. So with my athletes in the the base season, I like to have that every about every four weeks, a big four or five day block where we beat them up. And a lot of my athletes say that's their favorite time. 
They love to do those blocks. They love to beat themselves up. Problem is you do that in February. You're having to figure out how to fit it around work. You might have to take a, a couple hours off work. Weather. There, there's a lot of factors that play in to be able to get that time, and it's a big sacrifice. You get to the end of December holidays, and it isn't a sacrifice. You have the time sitting right there to do a four-day block where you're not apologizing to the boss and everything else. It would be hard for me to go to those athletes and say, you know what? I know you have this giant opportunity to do something you love. Why don't we take the time off and do nothing? Well, remember that I think my point is more of is what you're doing adding to your stress. So if you're in a situation where it doesn't add to your stress, like I got a bike there, I can just go and do this. And normally I'm gone eight hours a day for work and I'm only really going to be gone four hours a day on my bike. So everybody's still getting a win family wise and all of those things. Yeah, go do it. My concern is that I think the travel and the time with family and all of those things can be in and of itself a stressor. Yes. And hauling your bike there and people who want right. to spend time with you. I, I think this, I end up feeling like this is super important in relationships is we go to the beach every year as a family. And I always want to bring my bike because it's July. And my wife wants to go sit on the beach. Yep. So for the first couple of years, I was always bringing my bike and she's like, oh, fine. yeah, I'll go ride too. Fine, fine, fine. She never really said anything. And eventually I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to bring my bike. And she looked at me and said, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was one of those things that it, it just took me a little while to catch up on. So I think that, <laughs> that's not well, that's the, the, story that's not the first life. time yeah. that's happened. And yeah. Nor will it be the last. <laughs> um, but I do think it's, it, it is very personal, right? And there is that opportunity to do that for people. So go do it. But the last thing I will say about that is be very careful that you're not committed to this as the training camp when it's the end of December and you could like, don't go spend five hours a day inside on Zwift because the weather sucks and think that that's the same stress as getting five hours outside. Like be willing to adapt. Mm. Put on mm. your heated clothing, go out in the weather <laughs> sucks and do five hours. That's the Canadian in you. Yeah. Uh, Chris, mm. you you have a question for us today. I this do. is your first one, man. What do you got? Yeah, and it's a bit of a philosophical question, but I'd also like to try to bring in some science if 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 it's out there. No uh, science. We got science. No okay, science. great. So the question is: They torture me with the potlucks. <laughs> I'm not allowed to bring the, the it in. Pretty simple question: What are the benefits of getting uncomfortable in an athletic sense, both physically and mentally? Who wants to jump on that one? The best part of this question is, I think that Chris sent this during my Tucson training camp, mm. just after I had run into a cactus with my hand. <laughs> and I sent them a picture saying, does this qualify as discomfort? I don't necessarily think that that's what you're talking that's about. That's not right? exactly what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the type of discomfort that comes about from maybe it's a what Trevor does. It's a training camp or a training block that is longer than something you've ever done before. Or it's a set of intervals that takes you to a place you've never been before. Or, or it's coming on his podcast and not being allowed to have his computer open and <laughs> that's, use research that's the whole discomfort time. for him. Notice I, can, I was actually looking at the outside of my computer. I'm so was, uncomfortable yeah. not be able to use my computer. I'm now looking at the He's looking for research data that's been scribbled on the back of his... In the computer! <laughs> 
I'll even admit, I literally just picked up my computer and looked at the case. I saw you do that. <laughs> I should have made a comment, but I didn't. So that's the type of discomfort I'm talking about. And, and again, it's the physical discomfort, mental discomfort. Why should people strive to get to that place? Not every day, obviously, but occasionally. I have an answer, but I think Grant's going to tackle me. Please, as, as I, I want to see both to of these this, things. Yeah, I don't know. That would be discomfort <laughs> for me to watch this happen. I'm going to bring in some evolutionary biology. Great. That's what I want to hear. I like evolutionary biology. Excellent. So this is actually a really interesting study on mental processes that explains a lot of why you see people respond the way they do in politics. So the study actually looked at, at people's political response, why people are so quick to believe things that agree with their opinions. So things I read on Facebook, a lot of, and I don't want to go too into the politics side, but this is what motivated this study. Our brains actually use a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And remember, we evolved in a time when we had a caloric scarcity. So you only really want to use energy when you absolutely have to. So our brains actually evolved in a way to be able to recognize situations, recognize things that you've seen before, be able to process it find and patterns. deal with it using very, very little energy. Mm-hmm. This is the whole origins of stereotyping. There's actually an evolutionary reason for that. If you stereotype, you don't have to think about it very hard in the future. You conserve energy. So we actually have two levels of our brains. We have that very quick, I've seen this before, I'm going to stereotype, this agrees with what I want to think. So I'm going to favor it because I conserve energy. Then there is what is called uncomfortable thinking, where you have to process something. It disagrees with what you might already believe. You have to think deeply about it to understand. That requires a lot of energy. So we are hardwired to only do that when absolutely necessary. So if what you are used to suddenly isn't in line with surviving, like I keep doing this thing and I keep getting hurt, then you're willing to do the let's go to that higher level of thinking and change my cognitions, change the way I think. But we are programmed to say, I want to avoid that. Mm -hmm. But that's when you do your best thinking. That's when you do your best growing. So that requires you to be uncomfortable. Whenever you go to that higher level, you are going to be uncomfortable. We are programmed that way. So I'm a big believer whenever I'm thinking about something, if I find it too easy, if it agrees with me too much, I go, oh, I'm doing that lower level thinking. <laughs> so I like when I read research, I like when we're preparing for these podcasts, I like to put myself in that uncomfortable state because then I know I'm using that higher level of thinking. That's why he likes having me around. <laughs> <laughs> it goes against everything he's comfortable with. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, Grant just makes me uncomfortable. There's smells, <sighs> there's sights, there's just so much. It's like being in a foreign country. <laughs> Listeners, this is a great time of year to expand your training knowledge. Join Fast Talk Laboratories now for the best knowledge base of training science on topics like polarized training, intervals, data analysis, sports nutrition, physiology, and more. Join Fast Talk Labs today and push your thinking and your training to all new heights. See more at fasttalklabs.com join. It's backed up of like, what's the best way to get somebody in an engaging conversation about anything that they don't agree with, which is to slow down and get them to actually think instead of react, because the reaction is going to be the simplest way to go there. So if I'm talking to Trevor about training, 
if I say, Trevor, you're wrong, he's not forced to get uncomfortable. He can just say, no, I'm right. And I can say, no, I'm right. And we walk away. But if I go, I understand what you're saying. And I agree with this part, this part, this part, and this part. But what about this? That so, makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> so, But I just think that that's really important in everything that we do. Yes. I'll take it always to that mental side of a training point of view where it, training is not just physical. It's not just the number. You do the number, you move on. The psychobiological model, your brain is attached. Listen, Grant, we chose to not include you on that episode. So let's let's wow. tone down. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They cho- Okay. Anyway. Are you uncomfortable now? I'm are just you, pissed are you off. Do, are you doing good thinking? <laughs> it's not uncomfortable at all. He's just angry. <laughs> now I'm just mad. That's bad thinking. But no, the whole point of that is to say that your brain and your body are inexorably tied together. So when you're sitting at an interval or you're sitting at a, at a power number, it's not just about doing that from a physical standpoint. It's understanding how you're going to feel when you're doing that, being okay with feeling like that while you're doing that continuing to talk yourself to continue to do those things because you don't just go until you stop those pieces of the puzzle that are, how do I feel? Can I keep doing this? Your brain's telling you to stop it. Your part of your brain is to protect your body from overdoing it. So you have to override that in some context. So being uncomfortable is really important because you learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I fully agree with that. And I think that it's discomfort that ultimately defines where our boundaries are. And oftentimes when you see someone who does not lead a life where they regularly dip into discomfort, their comfort boundaries are very, very narrow. Anything that is outside of that is a huge perturbance to what feels normal, natural, and okay to that person. You know, take for example Tucson. I'm going to bring up Tucson as many times as I I'm possibly hoping. can. Yeah, I'm hoping. But it, it was it was 70 degrees, and I'm used to being in this colder environment here in Colorado. There were people riding their bike in Tucson that had on full tights, long sleeve balaclavas at 70 degrees. Right. Their comfort window of temperature is very, very narrow based on the riding conditions that they're typically in. I like these people. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I saw somebody yesterday in short sleeves and short shorts. And it was 35. 37 now. Yeah. You know, but I think that if we take this, and at first it's funny to hear Trevor and Grant talking because they took it in this very different direction where I'm taking it, Chris, and maybe you're on the similar side of the table literally and as mm-hmm. I am. For me, that's where big adventures come into this. I love kind of being in the middle of nowhere, not quite sure if I'm going to make it back on time, not quite sure if I know how to do that, because that puts me in a position in the rest of my life of, I survived this six-hour ride in the mountains where I had to hike for an hour and a half, and I'm like GPSing my wife and telling her I'm going to be a little bit late. That makes Monday through Friday a heck of a lot easier for me, in my opinion, because I know that I have the confidence I survived that situation. I can survive anything else that gets thrown at me. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to start blending in because I know what your question is, Rob. The next question we're going to talk about. But yes, I'm on the same page with you. The The reason I asked the question about discomfort is because I think it helps you reset what you're capable of. There's a lot of cliches here, but it's like you can redetermine a lot of things by pushing the boundaries where you think they are. They're not actually boundaries. You just expand where you're able to go 
how you deal with a lot of those situations. You become comfortable being uncomfortable. You become comfortable being in a stressful place, what you have previously deemed a scary place or what what have you. And that is transformative. Mm -hmm. The reason I started to mention your next question is because the line I wrote down to answer that question is, this is kind of like a personal mantra. I may not know where I'm going, but I know exactly how to get there. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, it doesn't matter how lost you get. I hate to say it, but it's about that journey. It's about putting your, stop it. <laughs> I just love that you I hate to say it. I hate to say it. I don't know how else to say it, but it, it has become a cliche. It's not about the end goal necessarily. It's about the journey. It's about all the things that you learn about yourself, character-wise, resiliency, all these things that you can only learn by putting yourself in situations that you have never experienced before. Yeah, and you grow from that. I'm they're gonna, cliches for a reason. Sure. This I a, just am not a cliche kind of guy. That's fair. So in the future, we have an episode <laughs> coming out about intrinsic, extrinsic motivation, and you're the perfect example of intrinsic. But I do want to back up, Chris, to something that you said in your opening. You said not all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's hugely important because it also ties into the first thing we talked about today, Grant, with your question. If you are constantly uncomfortable every day of your life, <laughs> that, does, well, that, that does not make forward progress, right? Right. Our discomfort needs to be interspaced with islands of comfort because ultimately that's potentially where that growth and rebuilding occurs. So I do think that people need to be careful about the dosage of this. Well, you well, just made me question my life. Well, the, well, exactly. <laughs> I was about to say, I find myself unable to do normal rides very often these yeah. days. Like I've reached a point where, and this maybe I just need to You've set built up the, your tolerance. I've built up my, well, yes, absolutely. I've built up my <laughs> tolerance for being uncomfortable or doing quote unquote crazy stuff, but going out and just riding for the sake of, of riding around the block to put in miles is not something I really mm. ever care to do anymore. It's my rides have to have themes well, I have gonna... to come up with a theme for all of my rides and a purpose. Let's put it, let's bring it back to a healthier place. My rides need to have purpose. Well, it's, it's interesting because you've heard me say it again and again and again. There's the dominant theory of, of physiology, which is you need to produce a training stress to see an adaptation. And we are essentially talking about the mental side of that, mm -hmm. which is you need to cause mental discomfort in order to grow. And this isn't just an opinion. Like I said, there's plenty of research showing that to open up those higher levels of your brain, to change your thinking, to grow your cognitions, you need to have that that discomfort. That's the the mental version of training stress. Mm -hmm. So, and Chris, I mean, I saw this in you. You did that trip to Iceland mm -hmm. where you tore yourself inside out. You put yourself through a lot of discomfort, but just came back and said that was transformative. Absolutely. It I changed. want to do it again. I've been thinking about it every day since I've been there. Hmm. <laughs> Those are the types of things I just I'm love that yogurt. <laughs> just, you mean sour cream, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's exactly it. Um I think there's sort of day-to-day -day discomfort and then there's really big discomfort. And those are once a year for some maybe it's even once a lifetime, which is a shame because they really do change you and mm -hmm. for the better. But it's those things that you choose to do because you're not even sure you can do them. 
in the lead up, you're getting uncomfortable, like, oh my God, what have I committed to? What have I gotten myself into? And then that kicks off higher level thinking of, I need to do this and I need to do this. And I could, you know, like you figure stuff out that you wouldn't otherwise have even thought of because you didn't need to. And then you go to this place, whether it's Iceland circumnavigating an island or or for some people, it's Leadville. I don't know if I can even do Leadville or some big race, some Grand Fondo, some event. Put yourself in that situation and then day after day, hopefully, and I think this is going to prove itself time and time again, oh my God, I can do this. And then you figure stuff out on the road. Like, I was worried about this. I shouldn't have been because I can tap into this. And I've done this thing before and it applies in this way. Talking in vague terms, but it's all of this is has the potential to change you into a better human being in a lot of ways, a stronger human being and, and so forth. There's some other psychological research that talks about people changing careers or changing paths in their middle ages and, and how much more well-rounded they can be because of mm -hmm. that. You know, I joke that I dropped everything and moved out here at one point in my life. And then I dropped everything again and changed careers again at 46 or 47 and I'm so much better for it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's not just in terms of athletics, but it can be in terms of big life changes too. And I'm going to That's why Trevor and I this. are so, the three of us are really cool. You've done basically the same thing all, all your life, right? <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> I love how Chris is like, the three of us are really cool. And you, Rob, we hadn't picked on him that? yet. Remember, we hadn't picked on him yet. So I was trying to get my jab in. Good try, Chris. I had, do you mind Did I just get kicked off the I show had? again? No, no, you're fine. As far as we'll you have know. you back in 200 more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Rob makes those decisions now. He's done. 2023, guys. It's right around the corner. Mm -hmm. I'm ready, too, because... And I don't want this to turn into a, a bit of a New Year's resolution thing, but I'm not going to lie. Everybody talked about how hard COVID years were. COVID years, I felt like pretty good for me. <laughs> this year, this year has been really tough because I've been off, been off my game. I haven't been doing the things that I normally do. I haven't been enjoying the things I normally enjoy. And so for me, I know ending this year, and Trevor, you and I have talked about this quite a bit, like I'm actively sort of trying to be engaged in making next year better for myself. And that's the question I want to ask you guys is, and whether or not you had a great year this year, I think next year can always be better. So without being too New Year's resolutionary, what are you doing? How do you make 23 better than 22? So as a starting point, there's some really good research that shows that when you pick a date to start something new that's in the future, you have a better chance of sticking with ever with whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Instead of just saying, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start tomorrow. Having a mm. date, doing whatever you want up until that date, picking that date and moving forward from that date in a different way, you have a better chance for success. Yeah. So New Year's resolutions have a little bit of oomph to them. There's yeah. a reason yeah. that they've worked that way. That's all I really had. That's it. I'm not changing anything. You're not doing anything. No, so, I love myself. Whoa. <laughs> you want to you reach across and give yourself a hug there? Well, no, you might, I, you I might have hurt. to phone another friend yeah, named Breeze. I, I already her. hurt my shoulder patting myself <laughs> on the back. <laughs> so I gave a mm on that because I am not a believer in New Year's resolutions. Well, I didn't necessarily say that New yeah. Year's is the time to do it, but, but an arbitrary date. The, the reason being... I think if you have to wait 
until a date. Oh, sure. To do something, you're not taking it seriously. Like if you need to fix something, why wait? Do it now. But you're saying there's research actually saying pick a date. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be very far in the future. You can say on Monday, I am starting this change. But giving yourself that opportunity to prepare for it, to almost throw a little debauchery in first, whatever that might be, this is when I'm going to change. There's some research that shows that that's beneficial. Should we answer your question now, Rob? Yeah, I think that I'd, I'd love some insight from you guys. Yeah, yeah. What do you got, Chris? No, um, despite all the things I just said about how I don't feel like I can take normal rides anymore and I do a lot of things that make me uncomfortable or just are adventurous, I shouldn't, I'm not saying every ride is meant to lead to discomfort. That's far from the truth, but... I mean, I basically have already given my answer. Like 2021, my circumnavigation of Iceland was just incredible for so many reasons. I don't need to, but I can list them. But it'd be boring. It'd be boring. I want to do something like that in Mm -hmm. 2023. I want to get back to a place. I want to commit to something that does what I explained Iceland did. Like it puts me in a place where I'm unsure that I can do it. Yeah. I have to figure some things out. It might also have a gear aspect to it. Like, what are the things that I don't currently own? Mm. Well, I need to do some research and figure out, like, this, it needs to be light, it needs to keep me dry, it needs, you know, something technical in that sense. I think that is, for me, that's um, an interesting aspect of of this stuff, too. And so, I don't know what it's going to be yet. I don't know where I'm going to go. 2023 is shaping up to be a very busy year for me in terms of what I'm doing now professionally, the amount of trips and cycling adventures that I might do, but somewhere in there, I'm going to make time for myself to do something big, kind of scary and very challenging. So Rob, let's throw it to you. What are you going to change for 2023? Yeah. You know, for me, I'm, I'm somebody who, gosh, I live in the moment and that's really great a lot of the time. But sometimes when I'm only dealing with my immediate needs, it prevents me from long-term happiness or long-term success. And that's a lot of what happened this year. I didn't take that step back from living in the moment to plan something for the future. And every time I did try to get around to that, something came up. Oh, I can't do this thing because, oh, my wife is traveling. Or I'm not sure what's happening with this, so I'm afraid to commit to doing something else. And, and 2022 passed me by. Like I look back and I didn't have a big adventure. I didn't do anything that put me outside of my box. And for 23, I think I've already probably overscheduled myself because mm, of it. To make up for it? Exactly. I'm doing a 24-hour mountain bike race in February. Wow, those still exist, huh? They do still exist. I'm doing it with a team, but mm-hmm. I do love mountain biking at night. Um, so I'm doing it with a team. Let's see. I also, I signed up for Finland Gravel. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I recommitted to Trans-Portugal Mountain Bike Race. Now I'm actually, I'm feeling very uncomfortable about all of this looking at next year because I have like four gigantic events on the calendar. I'm interested to see how I make it through all of this. But I will say I am very much looking forward because I'm in that phase right now, Chris, where... I'm planning mm-hmm. Trans-Portugal mountain bike race. What tires should I run? Yeah. I need to test. <laughs> I, I I have a dozen tires that I want to test to see what you're going to be the best. I love that stuff. Yeah. But it has really reinvigorated a lot of the things that I enjoy about life and about cycling. Screw you, Grant. No, I'm laughing because you guys are just so different than me. Well, in what way? 
Explain. We're no, better than him. You're not wrong. But I'm I'm turning 50 next year, so I want to do something. Like, I was going to go run the rut. Mm. But I don't think I can run the rut because I think it's during the first weekend. What's run the rut for those who don't the know? The rut is a 50K running race in Big Sky, Montana, yep. that goes up and down the mountain about four times. It's miserable. Right up my alley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I really wanted to go do this because it's something that I don't do. I don't enjoy running, typically. Bowling balls don't normally no. like running. But they do roll downhill. They, they do. Yes. They yeah. do. Yeah, they do. So I wanted to go do something that takes me, as you guys said, completely out of my comfort zone. Go do something completely different. And I've done a lot of the bike stuff. So I wanted to do that. But it it doesn't line up. But I'm laughing because my approach to doing it would be to just show up on the day and just do it. Right. Like, these shoes will work. I'll probably be fine. (laughs) I mean, I'd train, but, you know, I I don't – that's not what I enjoy about those things. I don't enjoy the planning. I don't – like, eh, I'll just go do it. Yeah. But that's why I was laughing. I'm not laughing at what you're doing. I'm sitting here like, dude, that's rad. I wish I could go do those things. What are you doing in the future, Chris? So I have a company now. It's called Alter Exploration, and it is meant to create opportunities for people to do these things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Get uncomfortable, challenge themselves, ride, gravel, pavement, whatever, everything in between those two ends of the spectrum on bikes in incredible places. The Dolomites, Iceland, Mm The Piedmont Alps, where there's some fantastic gravel high above the most famous climbs you've heard of that get used in the Giro, like the Finestre. There's stuff built by Napoleon Mm. because this area was fought over for years between France and Italy. Incredible gravel there. Switzerland and other places. Colorado, of course. I just didn't want to come on and be a salesperson, but that's exactly what I'm doing is trying to offer these types of experiences to other people because I think they are extremely beneficial. They are transformative, fill in all those cliches, but they're cliches for a reason because they are awesome. They will change your life for the better. And that's what I want to do, help people do that. But to the other thing that I was going to say, it sort of ties together three things that we were all saying. First of all, I said I want to do something big next year, but I haven't chosen it yet, which I think goes to your two points, which is you were sort of saying different things, but let me try to tie this together. The (laughs) picking of a date is important. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. So if I weren't in Rob's position of having too many things, I could just be like, well, I said I was going to do this big thing, but I never really chose the thing. And now this other thing came up and you're not really committed to it. You haven't put out a bunch of money or whatever, or you haven't signed your name to the, to registration. And then it's easy to just be like, I'll do it next year. Or you put it off or it, something else comes up. And that sounds like that that was my, that was the whole year for me That's 2022. And what you're saying in some senses is pick a date and commit to it because that ties you to that thing and it helps you get to that place. prepares you and it inspires you and all right so but i'm saying i'm admitting to the fact that i need to pick what it is that that big thing is going to be for me next year and then i will be in your shoes like geeking out on the equipment the route the this the that maybe finding somebody to call up and say hey i don't know you but will you join me for this (laughs) adventure because i need to make sure i come back alive sort of thing so yeah trevor 23 23 don't say I'm going to do Tour of Tobago again because you've done that enough. Now, I'm not saying you can't do it again, but 
this has to be something different. We're watching out for your wall. And punching I'm doing it again, but I've, I've given my opinion on, on the whole New Year thing. That's just the no, day. This isn't, so this, you're, just, you're just out. This isn't necessarily, uh, well, I don't, it's your question. No, but you did. I, I don't want you to think of it as a New Year's resolution whatsoever. And that's what I want to avoid, yeah. yeah. Okay. I want you to tell us, have you thought about what's on that list? Like, what's your, to plug another Fast Talk thing, what's your N1 challenge for 2023? Well, I actually don't have an answer. Flop. Honestly, don't. So that was another episode of Fast Talk. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of get the feel for for my next season in November. So that's when I get back on the bike and and get back to training. And there are years where I can't wait to get back on the bike. I'm excited. I'm motivated and get right into the training and go, oh, boy, I was off too long. And I'm just excited to be here. I have other seasons where I get back on the bike and I'm like, this is just work. Mm. And you're at that place right now. And this year has definitely been that. You know, I'm doing the training. I'm, I'm following the plan. But there's nothing I'm going, oh, boy, I'm excited. I'm getting ready for this. It's not there right now. Can I make some suggestions? Absolutely. Some of these would be hard to get into. But I think you are built, assuming your back is ready for something like this. But you should do a big gravel race. I'd love to see Trevor do a big gravel race. You're built for it. Yeah, no, I, I should have been doing gravel racing from the start. That's kind of the, the type of racing that, I'm, as you said, I'm, I'm, I'm more fitted to. And I haven't been doing something, and I'd like to. Yeah. So I will probably sign up for one or two this year. But We're, we're going to help you get your mojo back. Don't do Bighorn. Why's that? Because <laughs> those downhills, your back would light up about halfway <laughs> on my back, and you'd be on the ground. My back is fine. <laughs> that, that is like, well, so well behind shoes, me. you shoes, boas, right? You'll be fine. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I honestly haven't thought about what I'm going to do in, in 2023. And But that, it, it doesn't even have to be about what you're going to do in terms of events. For you, 23 might be about reevaluating cycling or reevaluating yeah, yeah, how you interact yeah. with the sport. And maybe you say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm done with my road bike. I want to become a downhill mountain biker. I don't yeah. care what it is. That wasn't my... That yeah. wasn't what are you going to do sort of situation. It can be a much bigger philosophical yeah. question. Well, I think I think the big philosophical questions are important. I think that taking that chance to look at what you have been doing and taking an objective look at that and going, okay, am I happy with that? Would I like to change that? Exactly. You know, I wasn't totally kidding when I said, no, I really dig what 2022 was. I made some changes during the that's pandemic good. to my yeah, life. That's and good. We re- I really enjoyed what that was. I mean, I feel like I travel a little too much for cyclocross, but I don't know that I can avoid that. And it's probably not going away, but kind of dug it. And almost what, what I came to personally from a racing standpoint or any of those things is I long ago came to this realization that the fittest I will be all year is March. Yeah. It happens to me too. I don't know why, right? Yeah. Like I'm indoors, I'm in a groove, I'm in a pattern, all that stuff yep. works. The summer comes and we start traveling and we're all over the place and we're doing this and that. And then I get in the cross season. Maybe I'm fit when cross starts, but yep. by like the sixth week of cross, I'm a pile of yep. you quivering are. jello. I'm just <laughs> exhausted from running the team and working the pits and doing those things. So like, yeah, I want to pick something early on in the year and see if I can actually use that fitness. So instead of when do you turn fifty? June. Okay. What's so instead of lamenting that I'm always super, I'm race age fifty. Mm. So instead of lamenting that I, 
you know, oh, I'm always fit in March and it's never useful. I think I need to find something to make it useful this year. There you year. go. Well, and that's my challenge to you. 22 was great and that's perfect. I'm super happy to hear that, but that doesn't mean you can't do something to make 23 better. Right. 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 And, and that's, we do that in training. Oh, I had a great training season. You're not going to do the exact same things you did before. You're going to find ways to improve upon that. Well, you don't put much thought into training. No, I put a lot of thought into training. <laughs> well, I actually that. That think I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on this. I actually think that was is one of the biggest mistakes that people make in training across the board. That was great. Now I need to do more. No, I didn't say more. Replicate. Or it. now I need to do something different. Keep doing what you're doing. You'll keep getting better. You'll keep getting better. <laughs> So well, Chris, to a certain extent. If you haven't picked up on this, the potlucks serve two purposes. One, make sure I never go on a date again. Yep. And two, make sure Grant never gets an athlete again as a coach. <laughs> yes, right. I don't think about coaching whatsoever. I'm a basket case. Planning. Come to me. Why would you plan? I never said I was a basket case. Well, I didn't notice you didn't any argue on you the You didn't planning. have to say it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> And maybe this is why I don't. What get is it about your deserve. life that we're destroying with the potlucks? Nothing. I try to make my life better with every potluck. <laughs> tell you the truth. I, I He's don't. smiling. Yeah. He's gonna have some maniacal laughs when he listens probably, back to this thing. I think and I say, will. I hope cut that part. I cut <laughs> that you. part. I don't yeah. know if there's much we're gonna cut from this. Hi, listeners. It's Julie Young and Dee Dee Barry. We've had a fantastic time recording a special podcast series that's all about performance, nutrition, youth athletic development, training, and physiology for the female endurance athlete. We're excited to share our knowledge and tap into leading experts like Dr. Dana Liss, Jen Saigo, Dr. Emily Kraus, and Katherine Cram. Fast Talk Femme is coming this January, and we can't wait to share it with the Fast Talk Labs community. That was another episode of Fast Talk. Subscribe to Fast Talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts and be sure to leave us a rating and a review. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. As always, we love your feedback. Join the conversation at forums.fasttalklabs.com to discuss each and every episode. Become a member of Fast Talk Laboratories at fasttalklabs.com slash join and become a part of our education and coaching community. For Grant Holicky, Trevor Connor, and Rob Pickles, I'm Chris Case. Thanks for listening.